0: Good evening and welcome to the Buddy Martin Show and Podcast. Yes, it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better,
1: stronger, faster. Mama says that
2: alligators are owner because they got all them teeth, but no toothbrush. <laughs>
1: What if the voice calls
2: while you're gone? Take a message. Bye. I'm ready for this my whole life. Well, I'm incapable of small. But that's why you love me, right?
0: Kind of intimidating to be in the
2: presence of so many great athletes.
0: So good evening to you on a Thursday night edition of the Buddy Martin Show and podcast. Here is just about what is it, 48 hours? Well, not even that actually. More like about half, about uh, what's that, 24, about 36 or so hours. Maybe, I don't know, my math, it's close to homecoming. Homecoming, Missouri coming to town. Uh, I don't know, what does homecoming ke- mean to you? Is it something special? I I've always loved it, but I think it's better for those who don't get to Gainesville all that many times, especially from a faraway place. And it's coming back to the mothership. It's a great feeling when you live in New York or Pennsylvania or California or even Georgia or Alabama, whatever. And uh, you come back to Gainesville once a year for homecoming and it's a it's it's nostalgic. Makes you think of the of the good days that you spent at the University of Florida. So it's a football game to many of us, and naturally an important one because the theory and theme being this week, can the Gators bounce back? They didn't fall too far, number 11 in the nation in the college football committee's eyes, and still very much alive for a major bowl game, and more importantly, they have to finish this season to prove they can earn the reputation as a good football team. Because there's plenty of slippage there left if you're not careful and uh, there's still some things that have to be proven. This team has had to prove itself every week as uh, Dan Mullen always likes to say. they got to go out and do it again and again and again until they develop consistency but as we said yesterday all in all not a bad place to be. When you stop and consider where last June or even last July you say gosh I wish this team had a chance to compete at least to win. Can they win eight games? That was the first talk. Can they win nine games? And now is it, can they win ten games? So expectations are up. Tonight on the program, we're going to talk to Zach Albaverde from Gator Bait and get his his thoughts about the quarterback situation, about where this team is heading, where it's been, and its chances on Saturday against Mizzou. Then we'll uh, visit our friend Mark Long of the Associated Press, who writes, obviously, nationally about this team and uh, get his take. Mark always has some very good insights and takes a little more detached look than some of us do uh, at this team and has, a I think, good judgment when it comes to making decisions and uh, based on what information he has at his fingertips. I'll say good evening to all of you tonight. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you. Always glad to hear from Roger Burns all the way over in Ningbo, China. Roger, good evening to you, David. Glad to hear from you, David. Kevin, also. Ken. Alexander, who's always around. Alexander, good to see you again. Uh, And Nat Blaylock, Yeah, and says, uh, hello, GNK Buddy Martin. And he may have some news on some activities in the future, so stay tuned. Andy Pham. Hello from the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And I want to say congratulations to Andy Pham. Andy Pham is the newest and 30th member of the GNK Elite. And I'll tell you about our conversation earlier today. Andy totally gets what it's about. Some people maybe don't quite understand. I get a lot of queries from people about GNK. I never try to sell them on the idea. It's a one to thing. If you want to, you should do it. If you don't, you shouldn't. But Andy gets it. And I had a great conversation with him today. Hello, Joe. Good to talk to you tonight. Israel. Hello, uh, Ronnie. Ronnie Thomson. Haven't uh, talked to you in a while. Yeah, haven't seen many shows lately. Yeah, been missing you, Ronnie. Uh, good to hear from you again. Uh, also, Logan, uh, CJ, Chris, Jake, Scott, can't wait to see who Dan reels in for recruiting. Yeah, we talked today uh, to Zach Albaverde. You'll hear that interview in just a moment. He's got some thoughts about it, and they're all pretty good. He keeps up with it pretty pretty close. Uh, hello, uh, Tandel. Good to talk to you, buddy. And uh, always good to, uh, the rock. And Len I call him, uh, uh, he's more than that, but he's the rock to me. He's always there, does a great job for GNK, served us extremely well, and we owe him him a debt of gratitude. Mike Rao, listening from Maryland. Good luck to you, Mike. I know you're up there for some medical business. Thoughts and prayers of you, Tony, and David, and Joe. So a few things there, a few thoughts before we, we take it to Zach. Uh, if you're watching tonight, i, I, I got to tell you, I'm mixed on UCF. I, I'm really impressed with this team. I'm impressed with the program, what Danny White has done. I'm impressed with Josh Heifel, how he's taken over and not missed a lick. Uh, and you got to give it up to this team. They're fun to watch. Uh, they're Right now, they're, they're behind Temple 27-21 uh, with, uh, what is it, two minutes to go and a half. It might be a tough night for them against Temple. We'll see. Temple's can play. Jeff Collins, of course, the formerly the defensive coordinator of Florida, is the head coach of the Owls. So we're watching this on the side corner of our eye. And I guess it will settle once and for all if they lose the Temple, the issue of whether they deserve to be in the playoffs. And it gets to be a little bit of a tired story. I get it. But I got to tell you too, if I'm UCF or I'm a fan of UCF, I'm right there with them. I'm leading the charge. I don't know if I'd be organizing a parade. I'm glad they backed off of that idea of hijacking or trying to hijack the Florida-Georgia game. That was not good. This team is knocking on the door. I've been around long enough to see things like Florida State was in its position many years ago. It really came from further back than this. Uh, Teams had to make their bones. Certainly UCF is still struggling to get there. Uh, And you don't get in the national limelight to play with the big boys in a matter of a few seasons. And They've been at it a while. They're knocking on the door. They're really close. And to be honest with you, it has nothing to do with, with, with UCF. I've always been a proponent of more teams in the playoff. I don't like these cockamamie 16-team things, whatever, but certainly they could do, they could do eight. Because they said they could only do two, and then they did four. I don't like the 16 format because it, it involves buys. It's unfairly balanced. Eight, you could do even. And I think that's where they'll go at some point. But for whatever reason, they don't want to share the money, uh, whatever they want to they don't want to do that, okay? So we'll just have to wait and see about that. But I do think, all respect uh, to UCF, I'm, I am often waffled about them thinking, well, what about it? Uh, here's another thought for you tonight. What do these teams who are now contending from the SEC have in common? And what teams have done well after making this decision? You go after, recruit a top-grade quarterback, and you get one that's, I don't care about stars, but for lack of a better description, we'll say five. Uh, You get an elite quarterback, or at least an almost elite quarterback. And I'm a big fan of Dan Mullins. And I'm a fan of of the quarterback playing for him right now. I think Felipe's done a really good job. But the fact is, if you want to take a harder approach to it, if you look at these teams like Clemson and Alabama – and even LSU, although Burrow's not an elite quarterback yet, but he's an upgrade for sure. Uh every, Georgia, everybody has upgraded their position. The challenge before Dan Mullen and Felipe Franks is how high can he go? And what if an elite quarterback comes knocking on his door and saying, I want to come to Florida? I I don't know. It could happen. I mean, they're out there. Uh, Kelly Bryant, by the way, is out there. He took a trip to Auburn. You know, in uh, Mississippi State is coming up. I don't know. I, I don't really know the answer. I just put it out there and saying, what do you do? Do you want to go get somebody from the outside, or do you want to try to recruit? Do you want to see how good Jalen Jones is? It, it's a difficult question to answer. So anyway, uh, that's something we can talk about. We can visit about, uh, and something that we'll uh, chat with uh, our friend Mark Long tonight. Uh, also. Uh, I wanted to say, um, don't forget, can you believe it's basketball season already? Come on, man. What do we get our baseball, what do we get our football season in? It just started, didn't it? Oh, wait a minute. Today's November the first. But reality is November really is when it all starts. And we got we've had one basketball game, the Gators played an exhibition game against Florida Southern. And then Tuesday night is Florida State. It's on. So I don't know. I I'm old school. I kind of like separation of seasons, and I like my football to be in November. But that's how it is these days. Okay, let's do this. Let's go take a little break, and uh, we'll give you a few commercial messages. And we've got Zach Albaverde winning around the corner after this timeout. And I'll tell you about a couple of people and a couple of things. One of my favorite things is uh, is Grinders of Ocala. Grinders is a is an upscale men's store run by some really terrific people who are big sports fans. Uh, David DeSantis is, is the owner. Uh, they've been around for a while. In fact, they've been a tradition in Ocala since 1962. Uh, all kinds of men's clothing there. And you can think about grinders is you get a whole lot more than just clothes. You go in there for your advice on how to look. It's a look. The grinders men have a look. Uh, and if you don't know what to wear... Well, David or Brandon or whatever will tell you, here's what you need to have in your wardrobe. And they're not going to say to you, buy five suits. They can tell you, here's a here's a nice sweater that can be functional with this outfit, interchange. And I like, I love that about Grinners. It's been that way ever since Augie Grinners started it 62 years ago. So Grinners in Ocala is uh, also a sports hub. It's where people hang out, talk sports. David's a big fan of uh, an officer in the Ocala Gator Tip-Off Club. And does a great job there. I'll tell you more about that as we go. But Grinders is the place to be. If you haven't been there, I can't imagine if you lived in Ocala and you have not ever gone to Grinders. Uh, you got to go down there and check it out. Uh, it's 405 East Silver Springs Boulevard uh, in downtown Ocala. And again, they got all the lines that you like. I mean, I've got I got to go down there and see if I can get a windbreaker. And I love their shirts and long sleeve shirts. So, and they also tailor everything right there for you. So check them out, Grinders. For a man in Ocala, downtown Ocala, five East Silver Springs Boulevard, telephone 352-629-3195. We're in one tonight. One of our uh, GNK, see this? Can you see this? probably can't. This is the GNK Circle GNK shirt that Tony made up for just our our group. Um, Got the arson on tonight. And if you want to know more about those, log on uh, to allflowersportshort.com. They have all kinds of other things, but they have some beautiful GNK shirts for for you members. Check that out. All right. Let me tell you a little bit now about uh, Center State Bank, Center State Bank, uh, which is a Community-based business, uh, they're located in uh, lots of markets in Florida. Matter of fact, they're in 82 locations in 30 Florida markets. And this is the one on Silver Springs Boulevard where we hold our event, our quarterback club meeting. on The second floor, which is a art gallery, actually. Um, and um, Center State Bank, um, they believe in uh, relationship banking. They're good on that, and they make sure that you know they also believe in faith and family. Uh, they take a long-term view of, of the horizon for finances, and they're driven by their local markets, uh, and they've themselves on world-class service. So, if you don't know where to go and you want to look around near you, i had somebody on today who told me they went to Center State Bank in their community, um, and uh, there's no doubt one near you. Go to centerstatebank.com and look up the one near you. This one is on Silver Spring Boulevard, N'Ocala. Uh You can call them at... Uh, And remember, Center State Bank, centered on community and customer service. Okay, we had a chance to catch up with our buddy today, Zach Albaverde. We talked about a lot of things, not the least of which is homecoming. All right, let's go out to the Red Star split screen and check in with our friend uh, from, well, he's from the Tailgater, uh, Tailgate Program, WRF and Gator Bait. Uh, he does several jobs. If you have any cleaning or any lawns to do on the weekend, he's available for that. Uh, that, But that's my gig, so I can't give him that one. But anyway, Zach Appleverde uh, joins the program as he's been doing every Thursday. Appreciate that very much, Zach. And how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Uh, obviously... Nice to be back in Gainesville and have homecoming come up this Saturday. And and certainly, I think a game that the Gators need after uh, taking a a pretty tough loss to Georgia. And I know a lot of fans are disappointed with how that game turned out. But Florida, I think we know, buddy, still have a chance to, to really finish with a great season.
0: Those are all good points. Let's start with homecoming. I thought about it today, and I was thinking, you know, I almost forgot it was homecoming. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it's significant, especially for guys like us who love our alma mater, you know, whatever, and it's a year. And, uh, you know, some people partake of the Gator Growl, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, how's it feeling up there in Gainesville about homecoming? Is there a sentiment going? Is it feel better than usual? It seems like this is a better year to come home.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to think the last home game, buddy, was LSU. So fans that were there that saw the swamp the last time uh, really saw it come alive and, and kind of reach that standard that Dan Mullen wants it at and always talks about. So th- there's some excitement, I think, for fans to be able to come back and watch this team, even though they're coming off the loss to Georgia. You know, you, you see the season that they've been able to have. They're still r- ranked really high. They had a nice debut in the college football playoff rankings. And Mullen has encouraged uh, the fans to keep showing up um, and the role that they can play. And, and they got this three-game Uh, You know, home stretch coming up, and it's really going to be critical to their season, buddy, because if they can win these new next two conference games, um, you know, take care of Idaho, they have a chance to really close the season off strong with a regular season finale at Florida State. But it all starts Saturday against Missouri. You got to bounce back not only from the loss to Georgia, but bounce back from the loss last year at Columbia. I mean, you know. Everyone's talked about the lack of motivation maybe creeping in for this team because Atlanta's no longer a possibility. I got to think that these guys are motivated to show up and play on Saturday because of that beating that they took against Missouri last year. You want to get those guys back for that, and I'm sure that that's what they're feeling right now.
0: Yeah, good point. I know you do your show every afternoon, and you get talk to a lot of people, as we do on our program here. We get a lot of, of messages on our on our program, about 300 a night. Uh, and you get all over the place. Most of the people who listen to our show are optimistic. They're, they're glass-half-full kind of people. They relish the year that's going on. But you get one once in a while. Uh, like last night, you said, is never going to get it done with that quarterback situation, and he you know, he's not going to be the guy for the job. I mean, that's the end, there's the yang. Other people are saying, you know what, this is a good time. As far as on the way back, couldn't go 10-2, and two. sitting there at number 11, looking in, outside in the top 10, major major bowl game on New Year's Day, et cetera. So, which are you hearing the most
1: of? I think more people, surprisingly, are optimistic. Um, you know, you, you got the fans that might that question. I haven't heard anyone on my show question Mullen's job, but definitely question how he's managing – the quarterback situation and possibly getting some other guys experience or giving them a look in a game and an opportunity if, if Felipe isn't playing well. But I've had some folks call the show buddy and say, Hey, maybe if the Gators went out, they could still sneak into the college football playoff. So you got some yeah. still optimistic as well. Yeah. Um, but, but look, at the end of the day, the, the um, the, the, the comment I've heard the most this week is, um, you know, from fans is if you told them, that you know, going into the year that you're going to finish, you know, 10 and 2 and, and get a win over Florida State, um, uh, most most would take that. Uh, if that didn't mean getting to Atlanta, that's fine. I don't think anybody expected Florida to win an SEC championship in 2018. So as much as it hurts right now, um, a, a lot of people saw how competitive Florida was in that game, and even though the final score doesn't look great, uh, look, I mean, it was a six-point game nine minutes into that fourth quarter so yeah. everyone knows that it was it was competitive that, that that result was not indicative of how well the gators played and fans i think were uh you know proud of, of, of the effort that they put forth. and in, in
0: perspective is everything I, i've answered the question this way to several people who brought up to me uh franks is this really the guy i had a former gator player say to me at the quarterback club Is this guy going to be the quarterback? Isn't a change needed? And I don't see, maybe I'm wrong, any scenario where right now that's necessary to do because you're not going to help your situation. Now, if Franks goes out and throws four picks, that's another discussion. But right now, he's played good enough to be where he is. And like we say, if somebody was better, they'd put him in the game. I don't know where you stand or not, but it's clear to me that Mullen's going to say, uh, I've got Emory Jones. He's going to play two games, probably play a lot against Idaho, whatever, uh, and, and give him some experience and then move on back to next year. And he'll probably open the job up in the spring and say, okay, let's see who's going to win it. And I think probably Franks will probably win the job again, unless somebody shows better. How do you stand on the quarterback? How do you address that? Do you think Thor would be better off making a change? I keep, people keep saying, well, I think you should change quarterbacks. Where do you think it should be right here?
1: Yeah, a change is not going to happen unless things continue to uh, go bad and Felipe regresses and has more games like he had on Saturday. He hasn't played like that all season. So uh, that's number one. But I think number two, buddy, um, Dan Mullen knows what he's got in all these guys. And at the end of the day, he's going to play who he feels like is the best quarterback. That's it. And when he sits down after the week of practice or after camp or whatever they're at in the year and he's grading these guys out with Brian Johnson and they're, you know, got a sheet there in front of them. And I said this on the radio this week, you, know, you look at Felipe, you list his pros and you list his cons. He's going to have things on both sides. I think everybody knows that you're going to have to live with the games where he throws an interception or he has a turnover. or He misses something in the passing game. As long as the con or the, the you know the pro is that he makes those big plays that he shows up like he did you know against Tennessee against LSU some of the other against Vandy he didn't make those plays against Georgia so that that's what well the one play on. he didn't
0: make was that touchdown pass that was a big time throw he
1: he did but enough of those to win the game yeah. But whatever you're listing for Felipe for pros mm-hmm. and whatever you're listing for him for cons if you were to do the same thing for Emory Jones and you were to do the same thing for Kyle Trask. Mm-hmm they are not going to be able to put down as many pros on their side. And that's why they are not starting end of day, end of discussion point blank period. And until they can add more pros to their side and Felipe starts to add more cons to his, you know, you're not going to see a change at quarterback. I think Felipe or uh, Emery's very early in his development. He's got more to, to, to add on to his plate. And so does Kyle Trask.
0: Good point. Uh, Let's talk about something that you used to spend a lot more time on, recruiting. Uh, There's all kind of, this is now things are beginning to heat up. Uh, Now you see players, you know, who are decommitting. There's things happening as teams get, as things get worse. You know, at at USC, I mean, the one on the West Coast. You know, or if Ohio State, if Urban Meyer winds up, you know, the rumors about him not coming back, which I'm sure are being fueled by everybody that, that, that hates Ohio State. You know, and et cetera. Et cetera whether or not, uh, you know, the four star who decommitted to the five star decommitted to to, uh, decommitted to, uh, to Georgia and now looking at LSU, the running back. Now there's a there's a tweet today that says a five star will who's formerly of Georgia, is visiting Florida. That's probably the running back, my guess. What are you hearing?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, Nolan Smith is a guy that's shown some interest to Florida. Um, you know, they, they got some visitors coming in this weekend. But it's heating up. I mean, you know, Dan Mullen talked on Monday about the, the impact that this season could have. Um, and he, he feels like you're going to be able to judge that come early signing day and, and national signing day. But the feedback that he's getting from – the guys, is that they've been impressed with the season that Florida's having. Um, and you look at how they were able to close in the 2018 class with Dan Mullen signing more four-star prospects than any first-year Florida coach in school history. Now imagine what he's going to be able to do after the season that he just had, especially if Florida can win out, um, you know, go 10-2, and two, get a nice bowl game, uh, and finish the year off right. Um, you know, they got some official visitors coming in this week, and They're going to have more for, uh, South Carolina as well as Idaho they'll have officials in for that game and you know right now I think that they look really good for the, the trio out of Lakeland uh, Naquan Wright is definitely a back to keep an eye on uh, George I think is going to get in the mix for him with them losing John Emery, as you mentioned buddy uh, but before is in good shape for Naquan Wright they need to get it back I think their chances are better with him than Trey Sanders um, and still need to get one of those, you know, elite cornerbacks on their board, whether it's a Chris Steele or a Kyrie or Elam, uh, you know, someone of that caliber. And if Florida can do that, you know, they're going to really have a, a nice 2019 class.
0: Right now they could use Ebel, Verde, and Martin at corner <laughs> if we were available. <laughs> That's there. <right. laughs> hey, uh, I know you follow basketball, Gator Bait uh, is doing some stuff in the preseason. Big game coming up Tuesday night, Florida State yeah. again. Uh, Mike White's got a pretty good club, interesting players, some new blood. What do you know? What do you think? How's the season look for the basketball team?
1: Yeah, well, I know in the you know season debut, uh, you know they did some good things, but also showed some stuff uh, that Mike White really wants to address with them, especially on the defensive end. You know, the five-star point guard didn't have the greatest of, of debuts, but, but that's his first game. Uh, but Florida State is going to be a really big matchup for this team. We remember what happened last year. You know, they have uh, in that, that great showing against Duke, and they got so much love, buddy, after the way that they played and uh, Mike you know, Shusefsi coming out saying that's the best team that we're going to face all year. I think the Gators got a little bit big-headed before that FSU game, uh, and, and, and the nose really took it to them. So this is a chance for them to kind of come back and, and avenge that performance, and, and they need this one to, I think, show people uh, that they deserve to be ranked, that they're – Uh, maybe a lot better than folks are giving them uh, credit for going into the year. Uh, But they got to go to Tallahassee and show that they can get the job done.
0: They're so physical. I know that. Uh, In the paint, the FSU's got some some bodies in there. They always have been. The department that Florida's been a little shy in recently, so we'll see how that works. All right. What's coming up in Gator Bait we need to know about? Gatorbait Magazine. Tell them where to get it.
1: Yeah, you go to Gatorbait.net. You know, this week's edition out right now. Uh, certainly, recapping the Florida George game, also looking ahead to Mizzou, and how this game has always kind of been a barometer, uh, you know, the last few years about where Florida stacks up in the SEC East. Surprisingly, the Tigers have had a success. You know, they, you know, they went you know back to back years to Atlanta, and everyone kind of felt like they would be an SEC East doormat, but they haven't been. Uh, and they've caused Florida some trouble the last couple of years. So, this is a really important game for the Gators uh, at Graham Hall. I'll do a nice piece on that. Uh, in this week's magazine, so make sure you go check that out. And you can also uh, get me and Jeff Cardozo uh, Monday through Friday on the tailgate as well.
0: Very good. I thought that guy's name was Graham Crackers. Is this Graham Hall? Is that his <laughs>
1: good Well, man. Graham, Graham Hack, as, uh, as Mark Long. Like
0: Graham, Graham Hack, okay. Good man, good team you got there. Listen, thanks for being on the show. Hope to catch you next week and enjoy. Good luck to you. Have a good homecoming weekend.
1: Absolutely. You too, buddy. Thanks for having me on, as always.
0: All right, Zach Alverdi from Gator Bait and for the tailgate, he and Jeff Cardozo do a show there on WRUF. We're going to take a little bit of a break, come back. I'll tell you about Andy Pham. In fact, I'll tell you about Andy Pham now. Andy Pham texted me today, actually sent me a, a message and said he wanted to ask about the elite status. And here's what I always try to do. I don't ever try to talk anybody into becoming an elite. Well, the idea they're going to get something that would be, they would expect something they're not going to get. Because quite frankly, the way this whole thing started with elite status was people in GNK came to us. The Crown Prince and I said, we would like to help. We want to see you stay on the air. What can we do? And after a long time, we thought about it. Well, if you want to help us, you can join a group and make a donation and that group will be called GNK Elite. And we can't define for you what all we will do, but we certainly want to make sure you get something for your money. And we, the money will be, in, in, will be invested back into the business. And this is not a sales pitch. I'm not whining. I'm simply explaining to you what I explained today to Andy Pham. He said, Can you tell me about the GNK Elite status? And I said, Yes. And I told him, This is how it started. This is what it is. I don't want you to come into it with expectations of something that you don't get. Uh, and we do try. We give you a, a nice drawing. In fact, I sent Laurie Shields a nice package today. About every six or seven weeks, we'll do a drawing with nice stuff in it. We've had opportunities for people that have given us terrific tickets. We don't get them very often, but we ter- we gave them to you. Len Tindall won them and gave them to somebody else, uh, Brent English, and so because um, he couldn't go. So And then the other thing is the elites, or we do meet every now and then. We're going to have a small tailgate of elites for the South Carolina game. Uh, and we get together and we make decisions on things. And we have just a group that's trying to make GNK better. Uh, and so I told Andy Fam this. He said, I thought that's what it was. So I want to donate. Let me send you a check. I said, great. We'd love to have it. He said, that's what I wanted to go for. I love this show. I want the show to stay on the air. I want to support it. I said, thank you very much. And he totally gets the idea. Unfortunately, we have one particular person who got him with the idea that he was going to get something, what I don't know, who thought he was ripped off. Hey, look, I'm not ripping anybody off. If you don't want to be involved, don't get involved. I'm not asking you to do only do it if you want to do it. And I'll tell you, for everyone, we have fifty out there who are supporting us in a great way, and we appreciate that. But we're totally above board with it. We don't try to run any jive with you or play any games. That's how it is. If you want to know more, you can PM me and I'll tell you about it. All right? That's what we got going on. All right. Let's do this. We'll come back and we'll talk to Mark Long. No one ever plans a car accident.
2: Having a plan after you've been in one, however, can make a world of difference. Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala and statewide since 1976. After meeting with Dan and his team, you'll know your case matters, that you matter, and that Dan will fight hard to get you just results. If you've been severely injured through no fault of your own by a careless or reckless driver, you need Daniel L.
0: Hightower. Daniel L. Hightower, lawyer fighting for accident victim justice since 1976. I talked about this last night and I'll talk about it tonight. Uh, I've, I've gone on here and ordered a couple of things and now we're getting closer to Christmas. I'll go on and get some more. I ran across this on Jen Lay's site, uh, Tupperware Jen Facebook. Uh, it, you see the op, top right corner, there's some little, uh, uh, there's some things you can order for Christmas, all kinds of things that you can be useful for your family. Uh, they're great family gifts. I love the pumpkin, Tupperware pumpkin, which we hauled out for Halloween. And of course, uh, if you need more information, go to Facebook Tupperware Jen, and she will give you that. Uh, she, of course, is a longtime supporter, one of the original members here of the GNK. She's been very generous with us supporting us, and we want to support her. That's why we do our business there. Have an organization you'd like to have a fundraiser for? Tupperware gives 40% of all sale proceeds back to the organization. If you just want to shop, go to genlay.my.cupperware.com, purchase your products, or search Tupperware Gen on Facebook, and you'll find some things you can use for your friends or your family for the holiday. It's a perfect way to serve that GNK and k Taylor uh, Daylight Tailgater Special, or it's also a terrific way to celebrate your holidays, Tupperware. Okay. Also, one more thing I want to tell you about my favorite restaurant, which I think I'm going to on there on Friday, I believe. Uh, I'm very excited about, by the way, the Scott Bantley Trophy Committee. We've got some great people. We're pulling together and we had a great meeting, uh, Wednesday night and we're going to have one Tuesday night. We're raising money. We're going to have a, the Scott Bantley Trophy is going to be a special award for some lucky young man, scholar, athlete, citizen, uh, cetera, will be awarded as such. And in the six-county area, he will be singled out and given a wonderful trophy and award presented for a special occasion to be named in April. So the people working on this are doing a great job. Anyway, back to Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood. You see on the left, that's the shrimp scampi. Mm-mm-mm. Why do I always show this through this time of night? It makes me hungry. Uh, it's delicious. I've had it. One of the many dishes they make there at Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood. Uh, if you want to see more, you can go on to... I follow them on Twitter, by the way. That's where I see these pictures. Um, and uh, check them out. You can go to uh, MarksPrimeSteakhouse.com. On the right, you see a great piece of beef. That's uh, one of the many fine steaks they serve there at Mark's. All the cook trips that go with them. Uh, the fresh vegetables, of course, and premium wines. It's, it makes for a great, unique dining experience. one of the best restaurants in Florida. Check them out. Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood in Ocala, 352-402-0097, in Gainesville, 352-336-0077, Complimentary Valley Parking, Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood. Tell them Buddy sent you, but save something for me, will you? Okay, uh, let's see if we can now get up uh, with you uh, real quick here, catch up to your messages. Thanks for all your activities tonight, for checking in. Uh, as Temple takes the halftime lead, think they'll hold on? You're right. Lynn yeah. has his basketball score. So that's going to be uh, crazy. Big games this weekend. We're going to go over some of those. Don't forget tomorrow, uh, uh, we got Football Friday at uh, 11 o'clock. And a really terrific reporter and writer and expert on SEC football, Ron Higgins, uh, recently named sports editor, the Clarion Ledger, Formerly worked in Memphis and also spent uh, several years in New Orleans. A good reporter, knows a lot about uh, the SEC football. He'll be our guest in the morning, along with that irascible Joe Williams, who will want to claim he beat me in picking, which he did not, but we'll see about that from Denver. And then Franz Beer, the Iron Duke, will join us for his usual Friday Football Friday selections as well. It's going to be a good day to talk about football and beautiful fall weather. So tune in tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Tell your friends about it. And I hope you will join us for that program. Uh let's see if I can get a whole well, I forgot I don't have Mark's number. You know, I always forget that I don't have I have to look it up and, and and while we're doing that. Um so what's your take on this uh, this weekend's game? Gators are favored by six. Uh everybody talks about Drew Locke, but you have to understand Drew Locke uh had did not have a good second half shut down did not make uh, in uh, missouri was miserable in the second half uh, eight three and outs so things are not going well there but they have a good defensive team and as you heard zach say don't forget last year uh because uh, it was ugly uh you want to see which team is going to show up you know which team is going to be there in the end because uh We're not 100% on this team yet. I think we believe in them to a point. But the problem is that they've got to do it again and again and again. And consistency is what it's all about, isn't it? Uh, You have to do it regularly to be a competitive force in the SEC. And this team had a little glitch last week, although I still say you can build an awful lot on that wonderful goal line stand. That was epic. I mean, that was something for the ages right there. And I told, I told Cassidy last night, Cassidy Hill was on the show. uh, I'd like to see someone like her go back and do a anatomy of a goal line stand because that my friends is one of the greats of all time. And matter of fact, if you, if you followed the, at all, you heard the defensive coordinator say that uh, it was one of the finest defensive stands he'd ever been a part of. And, uh, you know, so he's seen a few too. So, uh, we'll talk to Mark about that as well. Um, and uh, that that particular defensive uh, position stance was, uh, that told me something about this team. It told me about the character of this team. It told me about the determination and the willingness of this team to fight back, which is what you want in your team. You definitely want to have that fighting spirit. It's a cliche, uh, and you hear it all the time, about you want to get hit in the mouth, et cetera, et cetera. But that is what football is, isn't it? how you respond when things, and it's fact it's what life is. So, uh, consequently, uh, that was an important part of the growing process. And, uh, we'll get with Mark Long and also hear from him and his take on it and see what he has to say about it. Uh, Mark Long, the Associated Press will hopefully be joining us here momentarily. And, uh, we will find out about that. Uh, thanks for all your comments tonight, by the way. Uh, a lot of good ones. Yep. Um, Hello. that would be the voice of, uh, the fighter pilot himself. <laughs> That's what it looks like, dude. That's, you look like you're I ready to fly off. For, huh? Picture. you, you going to get a new picture? I think next time I see you, I'll just take my iPhone and snap a picture. Not that it's no, not a like good that. picture. <laughs> not that it's not a good picture, Mark. It's a very good picture. It's just hard to see your face. It was face.
2: a fun, fun day.
0: I guess year. it was. It was. It was. Uh, speaking of fun days, what does homecoming mean anymore? I don't know. Um, it seems. It it's used to uh, mean an automatic yeah, right. No Back more. Day. Exactly. It's something that you... Um, I think it means more to people who come once a year from another state or something. You know, I mean, not the yeah, same thing... It's just,
2: a good crowd. It's always a good crowd at the You're going to be yeah.
0: on it. You always yeah.
2: know that you're going to be walking into a packed swap. Yeah. And, you know, for the last or six years, maybe even longer. That's Mark, we're having years. a hard
0: time hearing you. I don't think you're a mouse up to the phone. No, wait, phone. Let me try that. that oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's better. Thank you. Thank
2: I you. think for the last seven or eight years, that hasn't always been the case. Yeah. You, you, you know, you you walked into the park sometimes late in the season when it wasn't Florida State, and you wondered, you know, what's this crowd going to look like? Mm-hmm. But I think on homecoming, you always knew. You always know that it's going to be a really good crowd, a really packed swamp, and a really electric environment. Which for these guys, that's uh, that's that usually is the difference between winning and losing. It makes a big difference for these guys, for anybody, yeah. for that matter.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, and of course, back then it was as much about the ceremony as anything else, and uh, you know, the, the singing of "We're the Boys," et cetera, et cetera. And now it's about you got to win, 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 win every week, you know. Uh, and, and enough of the nostalgia. Let's get some W's on the board, right? It's all business. Yeah, no doubt.
2: And you know, this is a this is a great. You know, people want to go. Well, what's what's there really at stake at this point? I, I've been pointing to this. They got a chance here if they they win these mm-hmm. four, and they're going to be favored in all four. Mm-hmm. They win these four games. They got a chance to have double digit losses. For just the second time in the last six years and the third time in the last nine years mm. uh, and that's to me that's, uh, that's what this thing is about right now I mean mm-hmm. you, you can talk about the, you know getting into the New Year's Day 6 and, and a big bowl game and maybe the Sugar Bowl, maybe the Peach Bowl whatever it is but to me I think it's just about uh, getting this thing back to, mm-hmm. to 10 wins which is a uh, should be the benchmark for for this program. Should be the, the standard every single year, year in year out. And Maybe if you got a down year, it's eight or nine wins. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if you if you're getting the talent that Florida should have, then ten wins should be the standard. And so I think year one with Dan Mullen, if, if they can somehow get ten and two, going to a bowl game, I think. Uh, I think that is talking about you know being back. That's they're they're back at that point.
0: Yeah, I don't like to get into uh, the old days because I mean, look, this is 2018. But you got to remember, this is where this program came from. And when Ray Graves came in here and won nine games in 1960, that was epic. That was epic, you know. And then it wasn't until Spurrier came, they started winning ten games. You know, nobody ever won 10 games until Spurrier got here. And now, of course, he averaged 10 wins a season. So, and so now it's like everybody says, well, you've got to win 10 at least, right? And so if you lose that as a standard, uh, that would be, a, you know, that's still a very good program when you're winning 10 games a year. Now, not since you win national championships. I was doing a, a – I was working on a piece today. and matter of fact, I'll just announce now. I'm working on a uh, on a documentary, hopefully with the SEC and ESPN, about uh, the, the where this SEC came from, and there's a turning point here and there. and One of them was when they started the Skywriters, which became the SEC Media Days, which became the hype machine, which is as as the SEC began to do national marketing, and suddenly they vaulted into the limelight, you know, in '96, and then all of a sudden the SEC wins those seven in a row, and now it's a, it's a, it's a, their dynasty, uh, and, and this whole thing is. Come from you know, this era. It's always been really good football. The problem is, back in the day, you'd only if you were Bear Bryant, you got a chance, but you didn't get many national championship chances back then. And Florida's program did not have that much tradition. And the SEC was respected, but really it was the Big Ten. And there was all these other schools. So this this whole thing has come. It's the cliche: a uh, rising tide raises all ships. Is what I'm trying to say: Florida has helped elevate the SEC. Now is at a, is really at a high plateau, and now the expectations are off the charts. If you play in the SEC,
2: wow, that's really cool. That's uh, I can't wait for that. That'll be interesting stuff for sure. Uh, but you're absolutely right. You you obviously know better than anybody, uh, at least as well as anybody that you know what where this thing has come from and. And how it's grown and where it's at now, it's, it is at an unbelievable le- level. Uh, you see it week in and week out. You see it, you see it in the polls. You see it in the preseason polls. You see it in, you know, forget the pack stadiums and the uh, recruiting bases, all those things that kind of build this thing. The reality is you see it, you know, come bowl season and you see it come national championship and now playoff. And last year, you you, you was, was there any – you know, it's hard to find a year better than last year. I mean, you know, when you're talking about two teams playing for the national title from the same conference, and we've seen that a number of times here recently, uh, certainly LSU, Alabama. Uh, but, uh, you know, to, get, to have a four-team playoff and have two teams from the SEC, and that's, again, that's what we're looking at this year. I and mean, I don't think there's a lot of people who look at, you know, the SEC right now and go, you know I, if it was an 18 playoff they might get four teams in
0: yeah that's uh, true you
2: know and that's... a lot of that could change this weekend but you know the, no you're not going no one's going to argue right now that that Georgia LSU and Alabama are are three of the top six teams in college football uh, yeah, five out of 11 right, right the committee's got five yeah.
0: out of the first 11 yeah, as you said five say.
2: of yeah. five of 11 yeah. in the college football playoff the first CFP poll So, and that's that's in Florida. Oh, the respect Florida gets
0: is they're the highest two-loss team. Yeah, and and by the way, that says something. I think
2: Mississippi State's the
0: highest three-loss team. So, so So looking on the out, sorry if I interrupt you, but get back to your point about being 11th and looking at the top 10, where they have a real legitimate shot of finish uh, to get, as you pointed out earlier, to get a New Year's Day bowl, and it finishes as high as 6th, 7th, whatever, because a lot of those teams are going to play each other. So they're poised in a really good position, uh, and and it's really and you're absolutely right. It's uh, they could have. Would you be in for a proponent of having uh, having eight teams in a playoff?
2: Yeah, yes.
0: Me I I too. Uh, Me too. I,
2: I get the, I get them wanting to go slow here, and and let's make sure four works, and let's not put too much on these kids' plates. All these extra ball games, these extra games, playoff games. But you see, they do it in in the lower, you know, in the lower divisions in Division One, AA, Division Two, Division Three. They have, you know, they have multiple playoffs, and uh, they do just fine. So I think, you know, we we could do it pretty easily at eight. Uh, to me, four seems like somebody's always getting left out. Eight to me seems like a better number. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be much easier to get all the one-loss teams in at eight. And, uh, and, and let them go at it. Yeah. And you could also tweak it to where it's, you get all the big five in, the five conference winners from the Power Five, and then you got three spots open. And you could put a rule in there that anybody, a non-Power Five, who goes undefeated is automatic. Yeah. You go undefeated outside one of the Power Five conferences, like a la UCF last year. I don't know if they're winning still now or not. They were yeah. winning 17-14 in the first quarter. But UCF last year, UCF, you know, in my opinion, should have and would have gotten in if it was mm-hmm. an 18 playoff because I would have had one spot reserved for any undefeated team from, from outside the power five. Back was like almost similar when Urban was at Utah and they broke through there. Right, right. And went undefeated and uh, got to the Sugar Bowl and beat Alabama. I would have had Utah in, uh, you know, into the playoff.
0: Right. Uh, Temple's leading 34 28, but UCF's about to score. Uh, so, okay. uh, uh, you know, and, 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 and by the way, uh, it's a, I, I, I will go back and forth on UCF. Okay. I mean, I have a lot yeah. of respect for what they've done. I really do. And, and I love, I love Mackenzie Milton. I love the way he plays. He, he plays with a lot of heart. He's a gamer. He's a good little player. Um, and, and, you know, I I get annoyed that the fans like you do and everybody does sometimes because they're scratching out like a dog, whining dog on the outside on the, on the screen porch, you know, but they want to get in. But, and, I, and I've been around long enough to see where FSU had to come from to get where they are. And I'm thinking this team probably hasn't earned it yet, but it's certainly getting close. And I may just have to concede at some point in time, you know what, this team is worthy and the system is rigged against them. And I'm with you, eight teams is the way to go.
2: I, I think you're right. I don't know if you are if you know what you're doing. Usually you're, you do know what you're doing, or I don't know if you just hit on this, but I stirred, stirred a lost nest this week with UCF. I wrote a story on Sunday night that for the first time ever, and when I say ever, I mean since the, the Jags, inception in 95, for the first time since 1995, all three state NFL teams mm, and the it. big mm-hmm. three in college football all lost on the same weekend. Yep. First time since the Jags came into the, came into existence in 95. Hey, I quoted so, you
0: on there Monday night, their story. I quoted, I was on with Graham. Right, uh, yeah, yeah, since well, ed, yeah.
2: I called down at the bottom of that story. I said, uh, I said, I had a line in there that said, not even second tier programs. USF and UCF could save the Sunshine State. Mm-hmm. And I said, UCF got dropped at Houston, I mean, USF got dropped at Houston, and then UCF was off. They had a bye, even though they've won 20 in a row. And, of course, second-tier program is all the UCF fans saw and cared about. And so I've just been getting, you know, not Edgar Thompson-style uh, rip job, but uh, not far off either <laughs> from UCF fans for uh, yeah. for calling them second tier. And uh, listen, yeah. with all due respect, 20 in a row is great. The reality is uh, relative in this state, relative to Florida, Florida State, Miami, they are second tier. Uh, you know, I, I'm sorry it's the harsh truth, and I'm not downing their program because they would probably get up and, and drag Florida State through the mud mm-hmm. and might do the same to Miami, Uh, we just you know, would slap them around the ball yard. But, you know, in terms of recruiting, finances, TV, uh, notoriety, all those things, they are second tier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I I don't know how I feel about this, by the way, UCF just took the lead uh, about one point. (laughs) Uh, So I don't know how I feel. Let's, let's talk about a couple of other narratives around this team. I'm so tired of the quarterback story. I don't even want to really talk about that much more, but I brought this up earlier. If you look at, if you do the the the, the math, or if you look at the, court, the the teams that are doing really well with a chance to compete for national championship, it's very evident that the quarterback is the key position to be in the hunt. You have to have, if not an elite quarterback, one trending in that direction. And I can just, you know, you we go to obviously go to Tua naturally, and Fromm showed he was worthy, and we know about the change of quarterbacks at, at Notre Dame and and what's happened at, at Clemson, and it's all one thing. Quarterbacks are upgraded. Having said that, if that's the analytic we're looking at, we're saying okay, if that's a common denominator, and I'm a kind of a uh, Felipe fan myself, and I want to see him get a chance to finish this off, but if that's the, the analytic we're looking at, we see okay. You have a chance to upgrade somewhat of your quarterback position. And I'm gonna give you a name. And I'm just I'm not I don't know this, I'm just saying this could be the case. Look at Kelly Bryant. He's he's gone to it's a different system I understand than what Dan has run when he played at Clemson. But he's gone to Auburn now. Uh, I mean he's gone he's he's gone to Auburn for a bit and he's gonna to go to Mississippi State. Say that he is one of those quarterbacks. What do you do if you're Dan Mullen? Do you stand pat, or do you take a shot?
2: Oof, that is a million-dollar question. And to me, if you take a shot, that is sending a clear message to Felipe Franks and your program in terms of what you think about what's on campus. Because you're not bringing in Kelly Bryant to, to, to be a Malik Zaire, where he's a one-year backup one year insurance policy you're bringing him in to be to compete for the starting job if not be the starting quarterback so it's i think you you have to weigh it and you have to really look at what do you think emory jones is and what do you think emory jones can be what do you think felipe franks is and what do you think felipe franks can be with another year in this system uh and then make that call uh we don't know. We don't really, really know what Dan Mullen thinks of Felipe Franks. He said all the right things. He's done all the right things. He stood by Felipe Franks. But, as you were one of the first to report, uh, getting Emory Jones on the field sure looks like a sign that he's trying to do something different, trying to get more out of that position. Uh you know, switching things up, kind of like what he did with Tebow and Chris Leak, where you know he has Chris Leak and it was a square peg in a round hole in two thousand five, and he's got this, you know, and he's got this shiny new guy in 06, and he's like, let me, I'm going to get him in there and let him do what he does best. and I think that's what he's trying to do with Emory Jones. Now, fumbling twice in seven touches is not the way of earning yourself more playing time, as we all know, but. Uh, there's no doubt that uh, Dan Mullen is, has not shied away from the fact that he wants to get Emory Jones on the field a little bit. So I think if you're the pessimist, you say that's because Felipe Franks isn't doing everything Dan Mullen wants him to do. If you're the optimist, uh, it's saying he's really just using those four games, those four free games for for Emory Jones, and he's still planning the red shirt. So it's just a matter of how you perceive it. Uh, and, but, again, until Dan Mullen comes clean, and he might not ever do it, we won't know uh, how he truly feels about Felipe Franks. So now, again, bringing in Kelly Bryant when you got uh, Jalen – I think it's Jalen Jones. Is it Jalen Jones? Jalen Jones, the Jones the yeah. Mm-hmm. They got Jalen Jones, Emory Jones. Felipe mm-hmm. Franks is a – as a sophomore, and Kyle Traft as a redshirt freshman. And you got four guys all within their first two years of eligibility. Uh, And then you go get Kelly Bryant. That says you don't really like everybody you have on campus, to me.
0: Yeah. Well, here's my true thought about it, and that is this, is that coaches say I'll do anything to win, you know. And the fact is the analytics, and I'm not saying I would do this, analytics says that getting the best quarterback possible is how you win. Uh, I don't know if it's the best thing for all teams. I don't think there's a chance that Dan Mullen will do it Uh, because I think they like to talk about their quarterback room like it's one position. Uh, I think he's developing a plan for – he has a plan for developing these players. Uh, Like you said, they've got the situation not only with with, with, uh, Emory Jones, but Jalen Jones coming down the line. And if he brings in somebody else, that's two generations of wreckage on your recruiting right there. And so you, you now have also, you basically basically uh, torn up your systems, what you've done. Uh, so uh, I, I don't, I'm don't i not proposing that. I'm just saying, I'm using it as a hypothetical. What does a coach yeah. do when he has a chance to improve his team? If that's what it takes to win, what are you going to do? And it's a tough call. I don't think Dan Mullen's going to do that, but I just thought I'd bring it up. Yeah,
2: just, it really would, it would, you'd have to, if you're going to do that, and you got to be ready for the ramifications. Mm-hmm. And the ramifications might be Felipe Franks, Kyle Traff, Emory Jones, or Jalen Jones, one or two of them, transfer. And if you're okay with that, then go ahead and go get Kelly Bryant, if you think he can help you win ball games. But if you're not okay with all this, this recruiting and the time and money spent getting these guys i i, I these guys uh if you're not okay with that then then you don't even you don't even open that can of worms because that's mm-hmm. really what it is a can mm-hmm. of worms
0: all right let's talk about the defensive backs to let you go uh the predicament that they're in now is because of injuries and bad recruiting by Michael Wayne <clears throat> uh and not getting those guys but it's fixable uh they can they can dodge the bullets against the uh, you miss most quarterbacks. They're really good ones I have a hard time against. Um, I, I don't know where to put Drew Locke. Uh, he didn't do all that great last week, uh, so I can't tell you. Their pass rush disappointed me a little bit against Georgia because they couldn't get to the quarterback, and that's been the key to their success. Uh, but uh, I just want to know if you think they have enough of a secondary to hold up down the stretch to get those four wins. I do,
2: and I think C.J. Henderson – being back this week and them finding out it's just a bone bruise as opposed to something serious, I think that's huge. It's, it's the biggest good news we've had in a in a while from on an injury standpoint. Yeah. You know, so you know him being back is huge. That basically takes eliminates one side of the field to throw the football, and then you kind of make do on the other side with uh, C J McWilliams or Trey Dean. Uh, I, like I like Trey Dean. I
0: like Trey Dean. Yeah, Dane. no, listen,
2: he's got great size. Obviously, the length and the good stadium. tackler. Make him, yeah, and he's going to be an unbelievable cornerback down the road. Right. Getting getting on the field right now is only going to help them going forward for him because he could have just been sitting there all year behind two All mm-hmm. SEC cornerbacks in C.J. Henderson and uh, Marco Wilson. And Marco Wilson injury forced him on the field, and that's going to pay dividends down the road, especially next year. I mean, Marco comes back and Chauncey Gardner's gone, and all of a sudden you, you know, now you got trading to kind of slide in there on that nickel roll. And, you know, the three guys back there with a lot of playing experience under their belt. So uh, I think they're going to hold up. I really do. I'm not so sure about Drew Locke. I know the offensive line's been pretty good for them, five returning starters. They did play well against Kentucky. Uh, it's a different deal going on the road, different deal going playing in the swamp. And then Locke has really struggled against the SEC team. Picked Florida apart last year. I think it was 15-20 for 240 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, did a pretty good job in limited action. Didn't need to do much in that route. But this year, I think he's got uh, he's completing 50% of his passes. 732 yards with one touchdown and five interceptions in four games against SEC teams. Now he's played pretty much played the SEC elite. When you're talking about playing he's played Georgia, South Carolina uh, Alabama and Kentucky but Florida falls right into those along with those and so when you look at what he's doing it doesn't look like he's doing much and there's there's got to be reasons for that whether it's receiver play O-line, Drew Locke, whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, that that is that is definitely a trend. Those four games are a trend and, and not a fluke. So, yeah. to me, I think Florida will be the next team and he'll struggle again.
0: Your friend of mine, Scott Carter, mentions that Drew Locke had one appearance in the Swamp. He had an 18.20 quarterback rating, 4 of 18, <laughs> 39 yards and 2 interceptions. But, by the way, he was also a younger quarterback. But uh, so let's see what he can do with the swamp. Well, okay, it's basketball season, Mark. Get ready Tuesday night, Florida State. <laughs> I can't. I wish they stopped stop crowding football. We just got football here. I it's know. Like, right. All of a sudden, we got basketball to do with, or whatever. But so. I'm excited for
2: that team. That's, I think that team's going to be
0: pretty good. Yeah, they are going to be fun to watch. For sure. Hey, Mark Long, we appreciate you. Appreciate your stuff. I'll catch you this weekend, and we'll hopefully get a chance to talk next weekend.
2: Sounds good. Next Thursday, you hey, don't
0: all right, my friend. Thank you, Mark Long of the Associated Press, joining the program tonight here on the Buddy Martin Show and podcast. Glad to have Mark aboard. Always like our guests. They're very well informed. I learned a lot. Hope you learn a few things. Uh, it's what we do here. We try to learn and listen. Uh, not a lot of information out there, so uh, it's hard to know sometimes exactly uh, what is going on. But you piece it together. And by the way, let me remind you, Jen and I'm not sure, Lynn, if we ever, do we ever break 5,000? We're right at it on GNK. Uh, that, that, you know, we have your eyes and ears out there. And we appreciate that. We have some people out there who are very well informed who keep us in the loop. But we appreciate that. There's no one person or one organization, whatever, can get it all. So anyway, I'll say thank you for listening tonight. Uh, thanks for watching and listening. And uh, don't forget, tomorrow morning, Football Friday, we'll have uh, Ron Higgins from the Clarion Ledger in Mississippi. Uh, also, uh, we'll have uh, France Beer, the Iron Duke, will be on. And Joe Williams will do our bets tomorrow. And I'll have my buddies on from the Quarterback Club. Uh, and show you how they love to make fun of me because in the Quarterback Club, I'm not doing that well. But I'm doing really good against Joe head to head. So, hey, let's face it, I'm no good at picking football games, but it's what we do, right? So you have a good night, and uh, we will uh, talk to you tomorrow morning on Football Friday. Thanks for watching and listening.